What have we seen from the quarterbacks and running backs for Oregon football this spring? We'll discuss with Ryan Winner of Sports Chat 503 his thoughts and analysis on Bo Nix, Ty Thompson, and all the ball carriers each guy could be handing off to this fall. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster, and most importantly, lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. We're free and available on all platforms and, of course, streaming on YouTube, where those of you watching can see I'm not alone today. I've got Ryan Winter, Sports Chat 503. You check him out on YouTube as well for some additional commentary on the Ducks. We bring him on every so often because we love his insight, and that is exactly what he's going to provide today. Ryan, let's just hop right in, man. I want to start with I want to start with the quarterbacks, and obviously it's great to see you, as always, and have you back here on the show. Let's start with the quarterbacks here, and when you look at the spring game and the totality of spring football this year, you've got Bo Nix as, I think, the clear leader in the clubhouse going into you know fall camp when, when the guys get back on the practice field in August, I believe. And then you have Ty Thompson and you have Jay Butterfield, and they look you know still a little rough around the edges. Thompson still has uh, the big arm and the size, but Butterfield maybe a little bit more accurate right now. I, I've seen some chatter from Duck fans who think that Butters ha- has maybe surpassed Ty Thompson on the depth chart, at least in their eyes. But what have you seen from each of the signal callers Oregon has on the roster right now? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I think Bo Nix is the natural number one just because of his experience. We all know the transfers aren't going to come out here to sit the bench. Uh, I do think, though, that Jay Butterfield had a good day. I really liked what they did with him in the spring game where they allowed him to play on both sides. He threw an interception and went right to the other side like he was the all-time yeah. quarterback at recess in middle school, you know, which is kind of a fun situation. So he got to be able to get to a lot of different receivers you know, this, this offense is going to throw the ball. They, they, they proved that in the first two plays on either side, they both threw the ball deep. I thought Ty had a pretty good day when I went back and watched the tape, when I walked out of the stadium, it was kind of, it felt like it was Bo Nix because he had that first big play to seven. And then he had that last play at the end. He had another touchdown right in the fourth, you know? And so it was just kind of a situation where he kind of walked out thinking, well, you know, it was it was it was much better day for him. When he went back and watched watched the tape, you know, he had plays that he missed just as easily, and there was more pressure. It felt like on Ty than on Bo as well. Bo had a little little cleaner pocket, and the way that they broke that offensive lineup, you'd expect that. But I think you know, I've said this from the moment he transferred over was I was like, I know Duck fans, you're ready for Ty Thompson, and everybody's got their you know wish list and everything of who they want to play but you got to let this thing play out you got to let competition happen and this is a guy that could make the rest of the room better they've all said that they've all agreciated him into the uh, offense and into that room and i think it's a really nice situation for them ty thompson is a hell of an athlete he looks the part he's taller he's faster he's got the better arm he's got the better spin rate you know they've got science on all this stuff now and uh he just maybe has to let the game slow down a little bit. And uh, he said he wanted, they they wanted to match his eyes and his feet, you know, and he was just a little jittery, maybe a little too quick with his footwork and just trying to get the ball out. And this is an offense that wants the quarterback to act fast. So they're asking him to do that. 
Uh, it's just uh, whether or not it's it's actually fast and precise. So they got a lot of room to grow, but it was exciting. The spring game was a heck of a day, so it was it was it was nice to see that for sure. Yeah, and I think the thing with with Ty Thompson is you can't get rid of the physical traits, right? Is uh, we all know that they're there. We've all we've all seen them before we know that the potential is there. I think he's clearly got the highest ceiling of any of these three guys, right? Because yes. Bo Nix, even if he is a better quarterback than what he was at Auburn, I still think that when you look at the totality of, of what Ty Thompson is capable of, yeah, he could be a better player than Bo Nix one day, but is he better than Bo Nix right now? No, I think the, the answer is pretty clearly no. And I, I'm sure the, the Oregon coaches have seen that in practice and he did show some improvement from what we saw last year, you know, in the spring game and also in live game action from Ty, but he's still clearly got a long way to go. I mean, this was a practice environment and I I'm glad you pointed out Bo Nix was by no means perfect. He was eight of 15 passing yeah. that, that that's not great. The bad right? interception. It, yeah. Real yeah. Bad and the bad interception too, but Ty had a couple interceptions that also looked like freshman mistakes and he was 12 of 27 passing in a spring game, uh, you know, an environment that tends to cater more heavily to the offense. I, I think that's a pretty clear indication that I, and I understand duck fans want him to be ready because he looks like the next great Oregon quarterback, but he is not that yet. And I think you, you know, rush, if, if you rush him to the field, you risk a Braxton Burmeister situation where he never had a chance to succeed at Oregon because he clearly never should have been on the field. And so he left, he went to Virginia tech and he's you know, been just okay, but I don't think that he was given the best chance. And so I don't want to see that from Ty Thompson. Oh, absolutely. And any person who's played athletics, who's been a coach, you know, they, they want to be on the field and have a place to be successful. I mean, and that's, that's the number one goal for a coach. So you, you didn't want to put him out there last year. I, I thought it was a little unreasonable that a lot of the fans were making such an issue about having him play. And I was, I mean, I've, I've always been of the, of the mindset that you let the freshmen sit, you redshirt them, you give them an extra chance to be there. You let them mature physically, mentally, let them acclimate to the college life. Let them figure out how to do their own laundry. I mean, there's so much stuff that these kids have to figure out what they're doing that freshman year and add a whole playbook and the whole responsibility to go get to the championship. That's the other thing. I, I don't understand how the duck fans out there, you know, and this is not just duck fans. This is across the country. This is, this is everybody, but this idea that you want to try to have the freshmen start and win a national championship at the same time. They're like, well, you know, it, you see what's going on here or there. Well, it doesn't always pan out there. Uh, so I, I like Ty. I think he's a great player, but I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. I feel like there's been so much hype and so much put on him that, you can't just go out there and be a freshman and play and figure the thing out. And even when Bo came in, there was another whole wave of pressure that came in from the audience saying, oh, now what are you going to do? You know, everybody's in his DMs. Everybody's commenting. Everybody's trying to get a piece of him. And, you know, it's just it's the nature of the beast with the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks want it. But it, there's no problem with these guys starting as like a sophomore or junior. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know what happened in college football that all of a sudden now it's just expectation that you play on day one. It's like, come on, man, especially a quarterback room. A lot of times there's six or seven guys in there. There's walk-ons in there that are probably better than the guys coming in as freshmen because they've been around the weight room for three or four years. They've been on the meal program. They've been through practice every day. They've been the scout team starting quarterback for a year. I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, again, I always go back to the fact, well, Michael James on the scout team. 
getting one of the best running backs of all time, was on a scout team as a freshman. Let the man age a little bit. Let them transition a little bit. And I do think it was a little uh, uh, a little much that they had put that on because it also added to the hate of Anthony Brown. Instead of actually supporting the quarterback that you knew was going to play until he got hurt, he was going to play. They weren't pulling him. And instead, you wanted Ty Thompson so bad that you didn't like the guy who was on the field. And you end up booing in the stadium. I mean, that was – so I, I do think that we're in a new era where I think you've got the 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 the, the hierarchy, right? You've got the, the junior that feels like a senior. You've got the sophomore that feels like a junior. And you've got your uh, freshman that feels like a sophomore, okay? And now you've got them lined up. There's no reason to say that Jay Butterfield shouldn't be the second guy. He's got an extra year. He's got an extra ability to kind of throw the ball in a different setting than those other guys. He's a pro-style guy. When they said pro-style, that's the guy you have already on the – and he was a heck of a recruit. So these guys are all good recruits, and you're going to bring in another guy next year and another one and another one. So be prepared for this conversation to continue. Yeah, I think that it's a pretty fair way of looking at it. I will say that the one area where I'll agree with fans is – Ty should have played at least some in the bowl game. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't think there was any reason. There was nothing to be gained of playing Anthony Brown the, the entire game. You know, it's a different matter when you're talking about playing a true freshman who's, you know, obviously not ready to see the field when you're trying to compete for a, a conference championship. And, and yes, the, the limitations last season became clear pretty obviously or, or pretty quickly, I should say, with Anthony Brown there. But the ceiling for that team was still highest with Anthony Brown rather than Ty Thompson, not the Ty Thompson that we hope to get one day, the Ty Thompson that, that, that we had exactly. last year. He, he, he was, he was clearly not ready to play because he still doesn't look ready to play. And that's okay. Marcus didn't play his first year. Marcus didn't take a single snap, not, not a single one. And Herbert, came, Herbert came in midway through the year as a freshman, but that was on a terrible team. They were only willing to do that because that team was going nowhere, so they had nothing to lose. Even after the first loss to Utah and Oregon fans were clamoring for Anthony Brown to be benched, which I understood because he did some really frustrating things last year from a fan's perspective. Like I'm, I'm not denying that, but even after that first loss to Utah, Oregon still had a chance to win a Pac-12 championship yes. and go to the Rose Bowl game. You're not going to get rid of that opportunity to get a young freshman quarterback some playing time. It's not reasonable. And I think that, you know, patience here is a virtue. And I, I really think that playing the quarterback position more than any other, you have to have time to develop. And we need to give that to Ty Thompson. I agree with you 100% on the hype train is that, you know, I don't know how these kids can handle that sort of stuff because I remember what I was like at 18, 19, and I, I wasn't going to be able to do that. You know what else I can't handle, yeah. Duck fans? Being hungry because built bars are the best ways. Sorry, Ryan, I had to sneak no, that in perfect. there. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. But we, we, we got we to pay for the show here, and you should pay for Please. built bars because you can get 15% off with the promo code LOCK15 at built.com. That's lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. Great flavors, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Go check out built bars today. We're just in this age of instant gratification. I think that's what it is. First and foremost is people want, uh, you know, they want it now. They don't want to, to wait because this is an entire generation that's grown up trained on social media and what is social media instant gratification and that's why i think you know people who are a little bit older like you are willing to to be more patient in in that front but well, 
I, I also just yeah, think that recruiting has exploded. So these guys now are known coming out of like middle school, high school, the freshmen, yeah. these guys know each other, the people who love recruiting, they've known about these kids for like four years before they even step on campus. They're like ready. They think they're, they're, they're the next thing versus like for me, I, I usually don't hear about these guys until they basically are now, obviously it's easier to follow all of it, but I pretty, pretty much followed him once they got the duck uniform, once they put the number on, Oh, that's him. Okay. Let's learn his backstory. You got a year or so figure it out. If he gets playing time in the future, then you start to really know the kids. These guys know everything. They are hyped. Now it's a social media era where everything's going. Now these guys are getting NIL deals before they even get on campus. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's completely shifted the, the paradigm <laughs> of recruiting. And I'll ask you about recruiting here in, in just a sec. But I, I want to ask you about the running backs as well, because yeah. Bucky Irving comes in now from Minnesota. He's the second transfer ball carrier for the Ducks this year that Carlos Lachlan has brought in, the running backs coach, along with Noah Whittington from Western Kentucky. So they join a group that that features Byron Cardwell. A lot of Duck fans expect him to be the one. I, I'm totally fine. I love Byron Cardwell. Loved what we saw from him last year. But I will maintain that I think of all of these guys who I like for different reasons – Sean Dollars is the most physically gifted one that, that that I've seen. We haven't seen a ton from him, but I think when you watch the small number of carries he's had, he's shown the most explosion and the, the greatest physical traits. That doesn't mean he's the best running back per se, because there are a lot of things that go into that. You have to be able to catch passes. You have to be able to pass protect. You have to be able to have good vision, let your blocks develop. Cardwell does that very, very well. So what do you expect now from Oregon's ball carriers looking into this fall, Ryan, now that, that Bucky Irving is in there in a position that immediately going into the offseason, oh, Oregon fans didn't have any questions. Ah, oh, we've got Travis. Ah, oh, we've got CJ. Trey Benson is there. Ah, oh, Cardwell looks really good. And then all of those guys leave except for Cardwell. And so then there were just a, a, shock, a shocking number, uh, a shockingly low number uh, of guys who – are listed as running back on the roster. Not a surprise to see him bring these transfers in. What, what do you make of that position right now for Oregon? I I love the running back room right now. And I like that the, the transfers have come in. Uh, I think Noah Whittington uh, was really, really good in the spring game. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and strong, fast vision, just like you said, you know, but I agree with you. I think this is Sean Dollar's year to shine. I think he's got the biggest chip on his shoulder coming off injury. A lot of times these guys talk about how the injury is very good for them to kind of get introspective, uh, you know, lets the game kind of slow down for them, let them see it from a different perspective, still, you know, consuming a lot of tape and and, and watching a lot of film. You know, Byron Caldwell is just solid. I mean, he's just a solid dude. I mean, he is just – and his dad, you know, shout out to the Twitter spaces. His dad's been in Twitter spaces, you know, for, for now, you know, a couple months. You know, just quality, quality family. A lot of the people got together. Byron was there. You know, just with his family, having dinner with all these other people who are, you know, fanning out or whatever. And he's just a solid guy. He's just he's he's not really about himself. He's really a team guy, but he's just a really classic running back. I think that's the nice thing about this room is that you've got some really prototype running backs. Um, uh, Kilohana uh, Hassan Ritter, he played quite a bit in the in the spring game, too. I, I thought you'd see more Aaron Smith. I was really impressed with him last year. Um but yeah, there's not that many guys in the room right now, and uh, and and that's fine. I mean, I think you, you know going forward, I don't think that's really necessarily uh, that big of an issue uh, because you only got usually got, you're in this offense, especially if you're in one back set. So you know these guys have to share carries, and uh, I think Noah Whittington is just awesome. But man, 
putting on the tape, dude, of Bucky. Boy, I like what I see there, man. Who, as a true freshman, you know, getting yardage and just I love that, you know, that there's it could be also their scheme as well, but I feel like when the when the play broke down, he had a really good ability to bounce around, find a hole, find a seam, get extra yardage, and 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 he, yards after contact. He's strong. But I think there's a lot of guys in this room right now that are just absolute prototypes. And I don't know if Sean Dollars is the prototype. I think Sean Dollars is more maybe of a guy who, uh, you know, with his athletic ability, I think he can do a lot of different things. You said pass catching. I think that's what he might have did best when he gave the first offering. And I've had conversations with Sean over the years and his family as well, talking with his mom at spring game. I was sitting right in a group with the parents and whatnot. And, um, Dude, his family is so nice, man. And uh, Sean Dollar's mom is just awesome. And they all were saying that this is the year, this is the year. And the spring game was a big deal for him because he wanted to go out there and really showcase what he had. I don't know if this offense is going to utilize him the way the previous offense did. I think they're going to be more pass heavy, but he's going to have a major part in this thing. So I'm, I'm excited either way with injuries or without injuries, this room is going to produce. Yeah, and the single back set is, you know, something we've seen a lot from Oregon the last couple of years. I, I can't even think of maybe a, a small handful of plays during the Mario Cristobal era where Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell were, were on the field at, at the same time. And, Rarely it, you know, I, I think that what we saw from, from Dillingham and the offense in the spring game gave us, you know, a little peek in, into what, we should expect this fall uh, with him as our offensive coordinator. He's a first-time play caller, of course. But I don't know if we showed everything. I, I hope yeah. there are some two-back sets. Or in fact, I, I know that we didn't that we didn't didn't show everything there. And I, I okay. hope there are some two-back sets because yeah. you know if you have Bonex in the backfield with Byron Cardwell and Sean Dollars, or maybe you line up you know uh, Motion Seven McGee into the backfield mm -hmm. the way that, that Chip used to do with, with DeAnthony mm -hmm. or. Uh, or, or with Kenyon Barner as well. I mean, th there are a lot of different options there, and I would like to see that utilized again because I was a fan of that look, and you can do a lot of different things from it in both the running game and the passing game because these guys are are, are really versatile. I'll ask oh, you about, yeah, I, I want to ask you about recruiting, but uh, first I have to tell you all uh, this episode is brought to you, brought to you by Rock Auto, and I don't have to tell you that. I get to tell you that because you. Get to, say, get to save time and money when using Rock Auto. I don't know why you would choose to spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers and saving them money for over 20 years, and all you need is a computer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts they have available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right ryan let's uh move to recruiting here and oregon got a, a commitment this week from 2023 four-star wide receiver jury on dickey from valley christian high school who shows a lot of good things and uh, josh connerly was probably the biggest commitment that, that the ducks have had in the last couple of weeks you have kyler casper in there as well and They've got three recruits now who who have committed verbally in the class of 2023. One of them is Demetrius Martin's son, Cole, a, f a highly rated four-star cornerback, by the way, from the state of Arizona. I think a lot of people might hear like, oh, he's just a coach's kid who wants to go play for dad. And then you look at the 24-7 and you're like, well, if that's the case, then all right, I'm on board. Uh, what do you make of you know the the recruiting victories Oregon has seen as of late and what that, that what that says about the staff's potential? 
Well, I like it. And I like the, what the kids have said, you know, uh, a lot of people have doing, been doing a lot of great work out there on YouTube, uh, interviewing, uh, guys, interviewing prospects. One of my favorite guys, Max Torres, yep, is Max, is in. Max is the man. And Max was actually it, it, it live at the high school, uh, when Jerry and Dickey, uh, uh, announced, uh, just the other day. And so, yeah, I just love the uh, enthusiasm of this coaching staff. You know, what a lot of the guys are saying is, you know, I was maybe a little hesitant, you know, before, you know, Oregon's on the list, but not like it is now. And this coaching staff is doing some different things. They're introducing, I think, kind of a, a little bit bigger opportunity at Oregon than maybe previously was. I, I don't know if the previous staff, you know, we talked about during the time when the, uh, uh, you know, coaching search was going on, like what, how this was going to impact recruiting. And everybody was concerned that, you know, Mario's such a good recruiter. We're going to lose out on this great recruiting, but you know, now you got people who coming in, they might be staying here. There there's some real West coast connections on this staff. And there's a lot of really, really good recruiting going on. I mean, junior Adams been mentioned numerous times in his abilities and plucking him from the Huskies when he was one of the only guys that they kept on that staff. I mean, that's saying something. So I really like where this is going. You know, it's it's not a big class right now in the 2023 class. And I'm not like a recruiting expert by any stretch. So I'll just put that caveat out there. <laughs> I'm a guy, I'm a season ticket holder. I go to the games, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan. But man, I'm telling you, the recruiting is very fun to stay involved with throughout this downtime. When the, you know, off season's happening, when the spring season's happening, and now you're in this kind of different time with NIL and everything else. I think it's awesome to be a fan. I think it's, there's so much going on. Uh, it's super exciting. And I think that's what Oregon's really tapping into the excitement of the brand and the capabilities and the possibilities that they're presenting with division street and all these other little angles of which they're able to kind of contend in the NIL space. And I think a lot of these kids are now looking at Oregon as one good place to play football, two great facilities, but three unique opportunities specific to Oregon, whether they're connected to Nike or connected in some way, shape or form and seeing guys go out like cave on, who is already, they're said, has the most endorsements of anybody in this class of coming into the NFL draft, going to New York. Are you kidding me? He's going to absolutely kill it. And so I think that the next generation of kids are going to just see that progression uh, and still see some really quality players uh, coming up. I think that's the other big thing, you know, and we talk about what makes a recruit come to a school. You know, I always used to joke that it was playing time and the girls on campus. You know, I think now we say it's still playing time. But I think now it's also about who else is playing with me. This is kind of the AAU aspect. I coached AAU for a long time. I coached youth sports for a long time. That idea of now we're kind of doing the super teams, right? We're all partnering up and we're all going across platform to all play with each other. And, you know, basically doing what, you know, what, what, what would be tampering in the, in the, in the pro sports is players just like, hey, where are we going to play next year? <laughs> like, let's get let, let's get the band back together. Let's go play here. Let's go play there. And I think that's a unique thing. So I think recruiting kind of builds on itself. Like, I do think that a lot of the conversation around Connerly started earlier with some of those decommits from Washington and Dave Uli, the other guys in his ear. Those guys were like, come on, let's do this. Because the recruits want to be a part of something special. They want to either build the brand or get the first national championship. That's the big carrot right now for Oregon recruits. They want to be a part of something special and they want to do it together as a group. And I think that, you know, my dad's always talked about how, you know, in the past it was, you could get a one or two recruiting classes every once in a while, but you couldn't really stack them together. And now Oregon's in a situation where they're coming off the Mario Cristobal era, where they did stack a couple, three together. 
Morrow talked about that when he left. Now you're adding the Dan Lanning era. And this team's still super young. This, most of this team's all sophomores and freshmen. So I, I really like the recruiting. I love the youth aspect of this. I think the coaching, wearing the new, the, the shoes and all that sort of stuff, embracing the culture of Nike, embracing what we're doing out here, I think is a game changer. Adapt or die, as Billy Bean said in Moneyball, portrayed by Brad Pitt, of course. You mentioned AAU, so uh, let's wrap up real quick with a uh, basketball yeah. question for you, Ryan. There has been plenty of news. Might have to have you back on here uh, soon to do exactly. an all-basketball episode because there, there have been many things happening. But Keyshawn Bartholomew comes to Oregon. Davion Harmon is leaving Oregon. Big Frank leaves. Dante is staying. We don't know about Will Richardson. Gary A is back. But what do you make of all the all the recent news that's been coming out of that camp for for Oregon, who also, by the way, lost their their director of basketball operations, Josh Jamison and uh, Chris Crutch failed an assistant coach in the offseason. They've since replaced the assistant coach. But there's just a, a lot of moving parts over there. How, how are you feeling about the Ducks right now for Dane Allman's squad? You know, Dane is I think we're comfortable with the transfer portal. Dane has always been on that level. I think he yep. was early on the transfer portal. Um, and what that could what that could do for a team, how quickly you could rebuild. And again, in basketball, all you need is a good solid seven, eight deep, and you can really do some things. Losing Big Frank Hurt, man, I really like. And, and then going to the Huskies, man, it was like, you know, rarely do I want to let that whole like anti-Husky thing out because I try to be very professional and sportsmanship like and everything. But that one stung, man. Yeah. To go to to see him up there in Seattle next year, blocking shots against us because you know he's going to get his. Um. I, I do think, though, that they'll be fine. I, I think that uh, the way Dana uh, has proven that he can get to that 20-win mark, this year was dicey. Um, the wheels kind of fell off a little bit. You know, Dana's getting a little older. He's a little rough. Uh, they, you know, they in, 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 you know, he talks about coaching them hard in practice. There's a lot. There's It's a grinding uh, coaching staff. And, uh, he, you know, he had such consistency for a long time with his assistant coaches. And now you're starting to see them start to kind of peel off a little bit, do their own thing. And again, that that's, that's natural. That's, I think it, it, that, that any successful program is going to have that. That's not a problem, but it's about who do you replace those guys with? You can keep the ball rolling. And, um, you know, basketball wise, I felt like last year was the most undana like team he's ever had. They were bad on defense. They, uh, they were bad, bad on defense. They were bad at defense. That has never happened. They're bad at rebounding. Super bad at defense. And they got they got beat on the boards and they and and they couldn't hit shots in clutch situations. If you go back in time, you know, that having having some good players on the team helps, Dan, right? We all know that as coaches, right? It's all about the Jimmies and Joes. But letting the guys produce and letting the guys score late in a ball game, there was some times this year where it just didn't happen. And you know, they blamed a lot of it on the inconsistency of the roster and coming off COVID and that sort of stuff. But Dana also kind of like really kind of threw these guys under the bus a little bit with the media saying like he's always had to kick guys out of the gym. He never had to kick anybody out of the gym with this group. So they were kind of content at just being average or just being above average. And they thought actually they were probably better than they actually were. And when they got really got tested and they were a good team, but uh, and they should have been in the NCAA playoffs. I think I think that they should have been in March Madness. You know, uh, had they had they just kept their act together and beaten Cal, that I mean, you just win a couple Cal of more and games. ASU. And yeah, I mean, and that ASU, oh, they've got swept by ASU. I mean, yeah, oh, how does that happen? I mean, we could just go on and on. That last yeah. year was kind of an embarrassment, but I do think they'll they'll put it back together. Uh, I love him, Folly Dante. I think his energy is good, and it took him a while to come off the injury, but I think he's going to be good. But 
I'm really excited for Nate Biddle. I think he played really well at the end of the year and giving him an opportunity to get more minutes. Uh, losing Frank's going to hurt because I just love his energy and I love what he's about. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and losing Devon Harmon too. I, I think that he could have come back next year and really done some things for Oregon. I thought he had kind of secured a place in the offense. And, uh, there were times I felt like he was the best player on the team. There were certain games of the year where he kind of took over at certain points. Uh, but, um, they're going to have to find some scoring. I mean, they just losing Jacob young. And if you lose will, I mean, you're talking that that's 20, 30 points right there almost. On any given night, they're going to need to find some buckets. But they've got some really good guys coming in, man. And the recruiting is really nice right now. So, um, you know, just just going forward, I think they'll be fine. A little bump in the road, but uh, the, I think I think I think long term, I think they'll be fine. Next five years, at least. We might have to have you back on for oh, a full chat. length I basketball chat, and we love we those. will certainly do it. Ryan Winter Sports Chat five hundred three is the Twitter handle. It's the YouTube channel as well. Appreciate it as always, Ryan. Appreciate you, bud. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.